G'day and welcome to the City on a Hill podcast. I'm Guy, Senior Pastor of City on a Hill, a movement of churches across Australia united around the central mission of knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Whether you're on your morning commute or sitting down with a warm cup of coffee, I hope this message fuels your faith, hope and love. And while we're here, let me encourage you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. You can do that by heading to cityonahill.com.au. God bless. Look forward to connecting soon. Hey, uh, good morning. If you don't know me, my name is Zach, and I get the pleasure of serving as one of the pastors here at City on a Hill, Brisbane. Um, this morning, we're going to be doing something a little bit differently. If you're new to our church, uh, this is not what a normal Sunday looks like in terms of the sermon. Usually uh, at our church, we are making our way through uh, at least the majority of uh, books in the Bible. Uh, next week, we're actually kicking off seven weeks in Esther. Um, and for all of you who were at uh, our camp last year, uh, we had Dave Fowler come and speak. He's actually going to uh, introduce us uh, next week. He's going to kick us off in Esther chapter one. So I'm really looking forward to having him come and open that uh, incredible Old Testament book up for us. But this morning, uh, what we're actually going to do is uh, spend some time together just thinking and talking about what this next year and hopefully under God beyond uh, looks like for our church. Um, but before we sort of dive into that, I thought there's a, a couple of things that take place in our service that I don't think we've ever really talked about before. Uh, and so maybe you're familiar with them, you've grown up in church, they're quite normal experiences for you. Uh, but maybe you've been coming to our church for a little while, or maybe even today's your first day. Uh, and you're just like, why do we do some of these things? And I thought it'd be a great sort of pastoral opportunity to share why we do a couple of these things in our service, uh, to even just help you understand the heart behind them and what we hope under God is happening in them. So three particular things, and this is just all for free. This is before we get into the sermon, okay? You don't have to pay me for this part of it. Um, you can just, it's just all for uh, your own benefit. Um, Firstly, we do something called a call to worship uh, when we start our service. So this morning, uh, Amelia uh, read from Colossians 1, 15 through to 16, uh, and just some great words. Like uh, it says this, it says, For he is, talking about Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for, uh, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And Amelia reads that before we even start to sing together for the sake of helping us understand that when we come to worship God, we're actually worshiping God in response to what he has already done for you and me. Other religions, uh, you'll see a lot of the time, people are trying to appease their gods. They're trying to do rituals or certain things in order to make their gods happy in order to have some sort of benevolent outcome from that worship. Whereas in Christianity, through the grace of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news of what he's done for us, we come to worship God together because we're responding to God's initiating love towards us. And so if that even just encourages you to get to church a few minutes earlier so you don't miss out on just that couple of little lines from Scripture, it's usually the first few lines of a psalm or something like Colossians 1, 15, 16 that just helps our hearts reorient to who God is and reminds us that we're not here to appease a God. We're here to worship our good heavenly Father in response to his love and kindness towards us in the gospel. 
Uh, the second thing uh, that we do, which might be a little bit unique for some people, is we pray for the reading of God's Word. Um, so I'm going to do that in just a moment, but uh, on most Sundays of the year, we will start uh, this sort of moment in the service by the service leader praying uh, before somebody gets up and reads the Bible. And we do that for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it reminds us that we're coming to God's very Word. It reminds us that this isn't just some made-up book. We also don't just have some sort of help, self-help book up here. Uh, we can't just go and pick whichever book off the shelf. We might feel good about that particular week and use that in the service. No, it's always God's inspired word that he's gifted to you and I. And so we pray uh, so that our hearts might have the right posture as we come to God's word. Um, and we usually sort of rotate between five or six different prayers. And maybe for you, they're starting to become a little bit uh, sort of you just, you're just familiar with them, maybe you switch off during that time, quickly check Facebook messages, uh, whatever it might be. But can I encourage you uh, to continue going through the rhythm of those five or six, and we might add some more over time, but there's the familiarity of those prayers because the words in those prayers remind us every Sunday why we're coming to God's word. And thirdly, uh, something we do in our services, which maybe, again, is unique from your experience, is we read God's Word aloud, uh, often before the sermon starts. Why do we do this? Firstly, it's how the Bible was actually intended to be consumed. Uh, if you uh, go back into the days where the Bible was uh, written, um, only a very small handful of people actually had literacy abilities. Uh, and so the majority of the time, it was congregations like this gathering together or in the New Testament, smaller groups in homes and someone who could actually read, getting up and reading those scrolls and those parchments and documents uh, to share with people uh, the, the words that God had given to them. And also the, the reason we do this is because when somebody gets up and reads from God's word, in that moment, you and me as God's people are hearing God speak to us, which I don't know if uh, we're super convinced on just how significant and amazing that is, that God, the, the God of all the universe, the God of all creation, the God of the heavens who came in the form of flesh as a man, Jesus Christ, to live the life we could not live, die the death that we should have died for our sin and rebellion, uh, and then who ascended to the right hand of the Father and is praying and interceding with you and I alongside the Holy Spirit. This very God has put in words for you and I, his very voice and his very purpose and plan for what it looks like for you and I to live in this new creation life that we've so uh, blessedly been given in Jesus. And so every Sunday, we get the opportunity to come together and actually hear God speak to us from his word. Now, this morning, that's going to look a little bit different. I'm going to read a much smaller chunk. But next week, what I'm excited for, jumping into the book of Esther, we've got some big chunks coming up. Uh, Esther sits in the Old Testament of your Bible. And not only that, but it's also a really unique book in the Old Testament of the Bible. And so it's going to be a great time together, just diving into God's Word and even just wrestling with how does even the book of Esther be the very voice of God to you and me today in 2024? Is that helpful? Fantastic. All right, let me pray and then we're going to jump in. Almighty God and most merciful Father, 
we humbly submit ourselves and fall down before your majesty, asking you from the bottom of our hearts that this seed of your word now sown among us may take such deep root that neither the burning heat of persecution cause it to wither, nor the thorny cares of this life choke it, but that as seed sown in good ground, it may bring forth thirty, sixty, or a hundredfold, as your heavenly wisdom has appointed. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, this morning, I want to try and give us some direction and purpose for our church for this year. Uh, This isn't a business meeting, so we're not talking KPIs. Uh, We're talking direction, vision, purpose. Uh, There's going to be like a few specifics, but ultimately what we're on about this morning is what's the heart of where we are going together as a church. Uh, Firstly, uh, I really just want to look back for a moment and thank God for last year. 2023 was a really unique uh, time for our church. Um, It was a year of stability. We were finding our feet again. We were mourning with those who were in mourning and even rejoicing with those who were rejoicing. Uh, But thanks be to God that across the whole year of 2023, we continue to see his goodness and kindness to us on display. Uh, A couple of great things. We just got to celebrate Claire coming to know Jesus. Uh, She's one of uh, at least four people who last year uh, did not know Jesus, uh, but yet during that year of 2023, put their trust in Jesus. An incredible thing. There's going to be some um, photos come up. Here we go. Um, People got baptized last year. We had six people, uh, sorry, one, two, three, four, five, five people get baptized um, last year. Uh, Really encouraging and exciting time in our church. We welcomed little ones. We had some kids be baptized. We had some kids be dedicated and welcomed into our church family. We had the Jensens join us and um, come and be a part of our church family. Uh, and we even uh, got to undertake some missional events like uh, God on Tap and Introducing Jesus, where people who a lot of the time have had no exposure to the good news of Jesus and even sometimes no exposure to who is God and is he even real, come into a room and uh, just be compelled by the message of who Jesus Christ is. I'm thankful to God for our church camp that took place last year. Uh, People joining our community, again, hearing Claire this morning and Sandra a couple of weeks ago, uh, people who are now a part of our church community. We had the the chance to grow in our knowledge of God's word as Dave Fowler preached to us and helped us understand 1 Kings. Uh, And also, of course, can't help but mention Northside kicking butt in touch footy against Southside. Uh, Looking forward to under God that happening for many more years together. Uh, And God's been kind to us in our outreach to the community around us also. Uh, Late last year, we had our second Carols in Fru Park event, uh, partnering with a few churches uh, in uh, sort of our proximity around the city. Uh, We had some incredible living room opportunities, uh, continuing to grow, uh, sort of both uh, people going and welcoming and, sorry, not welcoming, going and sitting down and hanging out with uh, elderly who don't often get uh, many, if any, visitors at all. And uh, an incredible group of young people who uh, would go into these nursing homes and just play music for them and just be an incredible blessing in that way. Uh, And also um, the pantry, making a real difference through uh, the Night Ninjas partnership in the Redlands and also our partnership with Centre Care in the city. Uh, And I thought I would put a photo of us going to uh, conference as well, just for context. We went to conference. Uh, But this year, 2024, uh, looking forward to it being a real year of establishing. 
when we were talking about recruiting and trying to find someone like Jimmy Jensen, who came on board as one of our associate ministers, uh, the, the real heart and purpose behind finding someone of his quality and calibre uh, was not just we want to continue having great city kids ministries, but we actually want to have uh, deep established ministries. Uh, and I'm super thankful to the, all the work that Jimmy's been doing in that space uh, is continuing to do, uh, but also just working across the different ministry areas in our church. What does it look like for us to go deep with what we are doing as a church? Um, so sort of moving out of that being a church plant, uh, we're now uh, a bit over sort of seven, eight-ish years old and uh, uh, we're definitely past that plant sort of vibe, and now we need to start getting into that establishment vibe. What does it look like to have our feet firmly planted and moving forward together under Jesus? If you've got your Bibles, can you open them to Colossians chapter 1? And in a moment, I'm going to read verse 28 and 29, which is sort of, uh, at least for me and our, our staff team, has been acting as a bit of an overarching verse for uh, what is God doing in and through us and sort of pointing us towards as a church. Before I read it, though, just a little bit of context about these two verses, because maybe you're here for the first time this morning, or maybe you didn't, uh, weren't a part of our last four weeks where we walked through the letter of Colossians. Uh, but why? I just want to show why do we get to these verses in 28 and 29, and uh, why are they so significant for us this morning? So uh, in this letter of the Colossians, we sort of open it up and we see that Paul, the apostle who wrote this, he's encouraging the Colossians' complete dependence upon the complete gospel. And he's warning them not to be deceived by false teachers, those who would come in and try to say that there's, there's more to your salvation or there's more to uh, understanding who God is or there's more to salvation than just accepting the gospel of Jesus. They were trying to come in and say all these different sorts of practices and rituals and all this like elite sort of spiritualism and knowledge was the only way to really get there. And Paul's saying that's all nonsense, ignore it, the gospel is complete. And then we see in um, uh, verses 15 to 22 of chapter 1 that Paul, he exclaims who this Jesus is. We have this incredible passage in there about exactly who Jesus Christ is, the cosmic king. And then Paul tells the church what his calling as an apostle is. And then he goes on to explain what his purpose is as an apostle, and especially in relationship to these Colossian Christians. And this is where we get our two-verse passage this morning, which is sort of going to be like a directional type text for us uh, for this year and under God as many years as he will have it. And it says this, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is what we are pursuing together as a church. Each of us mature in Christ. Now, when I was young, 30 was mature. Now that I'm 35, a different number is mature. 
But it's interesting to consider the nature of maturity, isn't it? Maturity is not just an age, like if you get to uh, 60 or whatever the age might be that's in your head, that doesn't guarantee maturity. Just like your, um, your job, whether you're sort of brand new in your job or you're experienced in your job, those things don't guarantee maturity or f- sort of find you at the end of maturity like you've reached the top rung of the ladder and now you just are mature. Same with our destination, where we end up living or uh, the type of lifestyle that we end up having. There's no sort of like top rung for maturity. Like if we can all get there, then we've attained it and now we don't have to worry about it anymore. Maturity is something that's never completely achieved, but it's something that is always growing and we're being grown up into. And it's recognisable as time and transformation take place. Surely most of us can look back on sort of even five years ago and recognise a degree of maturity that's taken place in our life. Uh, You can even sort of hear Claire up here this morning, only a matter of months into being a Christian, and yet a maturity has taken place between when she first became excited about, I know Jesus, to now, no, I'm, I'm really starting to get to know Jesus. And there are people in this congregation who have been uh, Christians longer than I've been alive, who are sort of up the other spectrum, which is like, I really, really know Jesus, but there's still steps to go. There's no like, I now know Jesus and there's nothing else to know. It's a, a constant uh, growth in our knowledge and maturity under Jesus. Let me make this really simple and clear for us this morning. Myself, our staff, our elders, our council, our leadership team are not interested in being a big church for the sake of growing our numbers. If we never counted numbers ever again, no one would care. It's not the point or the purpose. Under God, what we want to see is to be a church just full on for Jesus, knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Christians who are continually growing in their knowledge of who Jesus is and maturing in who Jesus is. And there's something of a bit of a paradox with that because mature people will show and tell the gospel. They will live and speak the gospel. Mature Christians can't help but proclaim the gospel, which is kind of what Paul is pointing to. So while we're not on about being a big church, we're on about being a mature church. It's an interesting paradox that as a mature church, we'll see many more people come to know Jesus and there's a good chance this church will continue to grow in number. And then the sort of the, the role then is to continue developing more and more leaders to either go on to plant churches or go and join other uh, sort of Christian activities around the globe or whatever it might be, or just continue in this church and be a part of helping to mature others. But there's something interesting about the paradox of if you're a church that's on about the numbers and not about the maturity, you're less likely to get the numbers. If you're a church that's on about the maturity and not about the numbers, you're more likely to get the maturity and therefore the numbers. Can you understand just the mess that's in my brain right now? We're chasing maturity, That's what Paul is pointing to in these verses. What he wants for the Colossians is what we want for us here today. Complete conviction that Jesus Christ is all that we need. Let me break this passage down a little bit. He starts off, verse 28, Him we proclaim. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's nothing else. 
It's the Jesus that Paul described a few verses earlier, the cosmic king. Let's come and read it together. Flick your Bible over, uh, chapter 1, verse 15. I'm going to read through to 19. It says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This is the Jesus that Paul is saying is more than enough. And if you read those verses, you can understand why Jesus is more than enough. He is the cosmic king. He's the creator God. He is over and above all things. But then check this out, because we might sit here this morning and go, that's great. I'm really happy for Jesus to be the cosmic king. But what does that actually mean for my life, for the life of those around me? What does it mean for here and now in 2024? Here's what it means. Let's continue reading from verse 20. It says, and through him... To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And then speaking to each and every one of us, verse 21, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister." Now, that's phenomenal news for every single person in the building. And maybe you've been a Christian for a while uh, and you know that news. And just right now, this morning, is just a good reminder of that's right. This cosmic king, the, the God of all creation and glory, came down as a human baby, lived a life perfectly according to God's laws and rules for our life, and lived that life on my behalf because we can't live it correctly. But then he also, the complete innocent one, went to the cross and died a brutal, horrendous death in my place, the death that you and me deserve to die for our sin and rebellion against a holy God. Jesus died in our place, but then death and sin weren't the final word. They weren't uh, the victorious enemy because three days later, God raises Jesus to life, the triumphant victor over our greatest enemy of sin and death and our flesh and Satan. And Jesus rises triumphant to all of those enemies. And Colossians tells us in chapter two that he actually put them to open shame. So it wasn't just a, a casual Jesus is victorious but one of those like my legs up on my defeated, smoldering enemy kind of victory. And Jesus absolutely wins the day and all of you and I, through the gift of his Holy Spirit, now get to live in this new creation life under this victorious king with him as our cosmic king ruling and reigning. And all of us here who are Christians know that, but if you're here this morning, maybe for the first time, or maybe you've been coming along for a little while and you've been trying to figure out what is all this church Jesus stuff on about. This is what it's on about. That you and I in no way can deserve or earn salvation, but because of God's love and grace towards us in Jesus, it is 
gifted to you and I. We are reconciled to the Father through grace alone. And all we do is place our trust in Jesus and say yes to him as the cosmic king. And as a church, our our duty, our, our role, our job, our delight, our passion, our desire is to proclaim this gospel. Proclaiming who Jesus is, proclaiming what Jesus has done for you and me in the gospel. And then Paul continues on in verse 28 to help us understand how we're to do that. He says, you do that by warning everyone and teaching everyone. Two things that all of God's people should be receiving and giving. We should all be receiving warning and teaching and we should all be giving warning and teaching as brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, Tim Keller says this in his book on preaching. He says, every Christian should be able to give both teaching and the Greek word for that, didaskalia, the ordinary word for instruction, and admonition or warning, uh, nathio, uh, a common word for strong life-changing counsel. He says, every Christian should be able to give both teaching and admonition or warning that conveys to others the teachings of the Bible. And then he says this happens in three very particular ways. Firstly, there's sermon preaching, sort of like this, probably more like what's going to start next week as we're actually working our way through the passages in Esther. Uh, Secondly, our our Bible study, so getting together in small groups in our gospel communities, coming together in God's Word and trying to unpack what it means and how does that change our life for uh, from then on, what does it actually look like together as a, a Christian community, knowing God's Word and living it out. And thirdly, one-to-one informal conversations. You and me in the foyer after the service, you and whoever else hanging around here after the service, you and whoever else going to coffee during the week, you and whoever else organising a rhythm of time like once every two weeks, we meet at this cafe at this time, we bring our Bibles, we open it up, we go, this is what God's Word says, we understand that together and then we start to figure out how we live that out together and what that looks like and then we hold one another accountable to are we actually walking as the Holy Spirit is leading us to walk in that new creation life. It's the one-to-one informal conversations that each and every one of us are called to as God's people to be doing with one another. And all of these are required for our knowledge of God's Word and our maturity. And to miss one is actually to starve ourselves. In other words, if all you do is turn up on the Sunday and hear the sermon, that's good but it's not going to really sustain you or mature you over the long run. As God's people, we're called to more than just hearing a sermon on a Sunday. After this sermon, after this service, what's our discussions like? Do we instantly just go to like, oh, I can't wait for footy season to kick off? Or do we instantly go to like, oh, how dumb's the weather? Or do we just instantly go to sort of that surface level small talk? Or are we looking for opportunities to understand what's being talked about in God's word, how it's been applied to our lives, and then asking each other those questions of what's that going to look like Monday morning when you wake up and face work, family, study, whatever it might be that's in your life? How are we encouraging one another to keep fixing our eyes on who Jesus is, all that he's given us in the gospel and those steps that he's calling us to walk out as his people. 
And so our church is going to continue to pursue these things together. We'll continue to proclaim Jesus Christ. We'll continue to teach and warn one another. And we'll unapologetically pursue Christian maturity together. And then at the end of verse 28, did you notice how Paul says, present everyone mature in Christ? Over the last few weeks of our series in Colossians, we heard a lot about our union with Christ, how we are placed in Jesus Christ. And Paul here, he's highlighting this isn't just after, he's not chasing just regular maturity like growing in age or even a religious maturity like I'm better at turning up to church and doing my religious activities. I'm, I'm more matured in my discipline of ticking the boxes. That's not what he's saying. He's not even saying maturity in a, in a dogmatic knowledge and understanding of every sort of doctrine and theological idea that if we can get all this head knowledge, then we're therefore mature. Now he's saying it's a maturity into the fullness of our knowledge and living as those who have been made one with Jesus and united to Christ. So this is what we are pursuing together as a body of believers. And to this end, under God, here's some vision and some goals for this year ahead and beyond. Uh, they sort of sort of arranged under our five strategic priorities, uh, which might be weird language for you, but effectively they're just things that help us keep on track uh, as a commu- for the, the mission of our church, that we would be a community that would know Jesus and make Jesus known. Uh, there's going to be some slides up on the screen that'll sort of help articulate this, but here we go. First one, grow gospel gatherings, or just to simplify that, gather what we're doing literally right now. We're committed to gathering together for Christian maturity as a single service church. Everyone in together, one body with one mission to know Jesus and make Jesus known. And if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you would have heard uh, that we we made the the hard decision to close down our night service. And uh, this sort of vision alignment was a a major consideration in that choice. Um, If I'm being completely honest with you, as we were running our night services, uh, it was really difficult for me because I was sort of felt like I was theologically being torn apart. I'm, I'm convicted of having one body that meets together in one place uh, and we do that every single week as often as we can under God for the glory of God, uh, that we can, even just pragmatically, uh, in a little while, we're going to take communion together. And the idea of you being able to hold that cup and hold that bread and look up and see your brothers and sisters around you holding those elements as well. Uh, It's not just the gospel visible in holding those elements, it's the gospel visible in seeing how God continues to sovereignly bring all of his people together and gather us for his glory. And so uh, it's been a a major part of that decision to close down our night service as well and to facilitate sort of our our growing gathering. uh, We're seeking a venue that firstly suits our current size but also has uh, room for growth. 
Uh, Our desire is to grow and our desire is to minister to our city intentionally and effectively through our next generation ministries with our city kids and city youth, our mercy ministries, the the living room and the the pantry and our our missional ministries like introducing Jesus, God on tap, word one-to-one. And so this means we're not just finding a building uh, that's got enough sort of seat, uh, like room for bums on seats type approach, uh, but it's seeking a space for our growth in our next generation ministries and appropriate spaces for mercy and ministry opportunities as well. It's a, a holistic venue that lets us be sort of a stake in the ground of Brisbane, like this is city on a hill and you can come and know that people are going to be here who are going to uh, love you in Christ and help you and point you to Jesus. And then every Sunday being able to gather together, grow uh, and continue to raise up leaders as you'll see there is one of the goals. Three goals for this particular priority that we would find the appropriate venue throughout this year. Uh, we'd see our attendance grow to that 350, 400 mark. Uh, again, not for the sake of, I want to have a church of 400. How awesome would it be for me to walk in and I see 400 people and yay, how good am I? It's nothing to do with that. It's to do with that's a good size to be established, to be continuing. Third goal, raising up many more gospel leaders for the purpose of looking to plant more churches across Brisbane and beyond for the glory of Christ. That's that one. Secondly, building communities of life, love, and mission, or to simplify, scatter. Gather, scatter. It's so easy. You can even go gathering and scattering, and it still has that nice effect to it. Gather and scatter. I considered making a rap. I was warned by people not to. (laughs) But that's just the life of our church. We gather together, and then we scatter to the suburbs that we live in, not just to isolate ourselves in our little pockets of Brisbane, but to be a part of the community that God has sovereignly placed us in. We are committed to building gospel communities that meet across greater Brisbane as pockets of church community. And these communities, they're primarily for the believers in our church. Their purpose is to ensure growth in Christian maturity, being expressed in life lived together, love expressed in deep care and support of one another, and an intentionality in building relationships with the community around us, uh, that we might continue to be on mission to the community around us. So some goals for this area. I want to redefine the vision of gospel communities by June. One thing that uh, myself, Mike, and our team have noticed is we're just a bit unclear even as to like that tagline and just what it all means. And if, if it's the right tagline, great, but let's have conviction about that tagline. Uh, and so we just want to zoom out and go like, is this actually what we believe under God our gospel communities are on about? And so we want to be clear on that by June. Uh, secondly, we want to pursue clarity for what mission means in our gospel communities. It's been a bit undefined, a little bit just sort of per group, you make it up. Uh, But as a church, we want to know, right, this is the road that we're on together when it comes to reaching our community for Christ. Uh, And thirdly, we want to develop more and more leaders raised up within existing groups, primarily for the maturity of those groups, but also, uh, like we sort of heard this morning, that under God, starting new gospel communities across, across Brisbane. Thirdly, uh, our pioneer mission and mercy. We are committed to reaching Brisbane and beyond with the gospel by being the hands and feet of Jesus. 
So some goals for this, we we want to establish teams to lead mission and mercy initiatives across our church. We want to develop partnerships with mercy organizations in the city. We have a a great partnership with CenterCare, but with a team that's actually focused on running that, we can do such uh, better work to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our city. And thirdly, under God, we want to see 15 people this year place their trust in Jesus. Last year, we, we might have had was it six maybe, um, all up uh, of people going from death to life um, and so thankful to God for that. It's an incredible, miraculous thing that took place last year and under God, trusting that we'll see that number doubled and a bit more as we continue to pray together uh, and share the good news of Jesus with our friends and family. Uh, fourthly, we want to continue to equip the next generation. Now, Jimmy sort of spoke more comprehensively to this last week uh, as he sort of got up to sort of introduce uh, some changes in our next generation ministries. But just to reinforce the main thrust um, of this year for next generation city, which is city kids and city youth, we're committed to building a culture in our next generation ministries that would see our young people love Jesus, love his word, and love the church. And the goal for this year in Next Gen is to develop a consistency of relationship between Next Gen leaders and our young people. Uh, sort of shifting from being that, uh, that process of uh, let's get leaders in there to run those programs and get through the curriculum. And uh, in one sense, as parents, if we're really honest, be a bit of a babysitting club. Uh, but shifting from that culture to a culture of uh, let's get people in those rooms, leaders in those rooms who have a heart and a passion to see young people really come to know Jesus and know the gospel and live that out. Uh, and so Jimmy's been doing great work alongside of our team in that space and under God, that's what we're going to see this year. And fifthly, and maybe this one's new for you as a strategic priority of City on a Hill, uh, as a movement, we sort of incorporated this one uh, sort of midway through last year as a, an actual fifth strategic priority of our church to plant churches. Uh, each City on a Hill church is committed to planting a church by 2028. And while we know and trust that all of this remains under God's sovereign timing, We are committed to identifying and developing what is necessary, not just for a church to be successfully planted, but for this Brisbane church to be sufficiently established so that we could one day under God healthily, healthily send, I know that's not a word, but healthily send 50 plus people to a church plant either in Brisbane or somewhere around. So some goals for that space. We want to identify our next church planter by the end of this year. And we want to identify and develop a core team of 50 adults for a church plant. And under God, sorry, all of these sit under and will continue to sit under the mission umbrella as a church that we have to know Jesus and make Jesus known. And under God, through the the leading of his Holy Spirit, through our wise planning and hard working, we are trusting that we'll see many more women and men and children come to trust in Jesus, grow in their knowledge and love of Jesus, and that as a church, we will each present one another mature in Christ. And church, God's word has good news for us this morning. Because this is a daunting task even for the most competent and skilled uh, ministry team or church in the world. However, 
we are assured in God's word that it doesn't actually rely on us. I didn't go into verse 29 yet. I'm going there now. Check out what Paul says in verse 29. He says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Do you hear that word, toil? It's hard work. And not just for staff, but for each of us as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's hard work to keep encouraging one another, pointing each other to Jesus, holding one another accountable to the lives that we're living under God. But thanks be to God that he grants us his energy. We have the Holy Spirit giving us Christ's strength and perseverance, working that energy within us, which means we don't have to conjure it up. But as he says there, it's his energy and he's the one who's powerfully working it in us. And so there's going to come times like I've had over the last couple of weeks where you're a little bit at the end of yourself and you're like, I don't know how to even put the next foot in front of the other foot right now. What does it even look like? And then you get messages and calls and emails from people who need help or uh, want to try and unpack or understand things. You're just like, I don't know where that energy comes from to even get up off the couch and go and continue to be a pastor. And that applies to all of us as we're busy with our lives, busy with work or study, or uh, we're busy with um, our family or just our social groups, whatever it might look like. We're busy and we're exhausted and we live in an age where everything is at us all the time and there's this, this comprehension of the idea of rest is just so foreign to us and so we're always on the go and then you turn up to church today and you hear this um, ugly dude get up the front and be like, oi, why do I have to continue to do more? Why do I have to think through how I'm going to encourage my brother or sister in their faith when I'm struggling in my own and I don't know if I want to be in this job or I don't know if I'm really getting on in my marriage right now. I don't know how my relationships are playing out and yet you want me to come into this church and think about how we can all be a part of maturing and growing in Jesus. Yes, I really, really do. And the reason I'm so assured and convinced that we can do it is because it's not based on our strength. It's not based on my limited capacity over the last couple of weeks. It's not limited on my inability to get everything right. It's not based on anyone in this room's ability to get up off that lounge or get up out of bed and make that day happen for the glory of Christ. What is it based on? It's based on the good news of Jesus, that Jesus has done it. And in him, we have all that we need. And even in our toiling and struggling, it's not even our energy that we have to muster to make it happen. He gives us his energy. And then he's the one who powerfully works it within us, that we might undergo all of these things in Christ. That's the good news of the gospel church. You have been rescued from sin and death. You have been turned from a rebel against God into a son or daughter of the Most High God who now sits at his table with him, completely reconciled with God. And when God looks at you, he sees the perfect righteousness of his son Jesus. Our sins completely forgiven and not just forgiven, the Bible tells us forgotten, removed away as far as the east is from the west. We sit at the table of the Most High God as treasured sons and daughters, fully brought to that table and a part of his family and accepted and 
loved. And then when he tells us, hey, it's time to go and tell the world about me. It's time to go and encourage your brother or sister. He doesn't expect us to somehow get the energy like if you've just done a workout like I did on Tuesday morning for the first time in I don't want to mention how long. And then the next day you get up and your muscles are so sore that you're like, I don't think I'll ever stand again. And you're trying to force yourself out of that. That's not the place that you and I find ourselves in sitting at the table of God. The place that we find ourselves in is God coming to us and going, here's my Holy Spirit. Here's all the energy, all the power that you could possibly need. Get up and go. The gospel is so much better than we ever give it credit for. And so the question begs, what does this mean? What does this look like for us? How can I get involved? How do I get on board? Now, I could spend the next long time unpacking all the different ways that you could be part of our church life and all those sorts of things. And you'll hear about those over time. But really, the takeaway that I would love for all of us to have this morning, three things. Pray, love, give. Pray, love, give. Pray. As a church, let's commit to turning up the temperature of prayer in our church. Whether that's your individual prayers at home, uh, with your friends, with your families, uh, whatever that might look like, praying more often and for more things uh, that are on the agenda of our church, of our lives, but also the world around us. Uh, we're going to be looking to have opportunities during this year to be praying together, to have some prayer meetings throughout our year. Um, we're also investigating how we might bring Zoom morning prayer back uh, together as a church. And can I encourage you in your gospel communities, prayer is such an essential and important part of being in community together. So we pray. Secondly, we love. We love God together in this community that we've been blessed to be a part of. We love God by loving God's word. We prioritize being in God's word, uh, being in close proximity to his word and to what he says to us, to unpacking it and understanding it and allowing the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. We love God's word. We love God's people. And in loving God's people, it means that we're loving one another as we're told that the world will see God's love for them as they look at our love for one another. What a stupendous responsibility that you and I have. Imagine if the only, the only expression of the gospel that somebody in our world got was if they witnessed how you love other people in this church. I'm glad it's pin drop silent in here. It's responsibility laden. The weight of how we would love one another together. Bearing one another's burdens forgiving one another, moving forward with one another in love and compassion. So we pray, we love, and then we give. We give of ourselves. We give of our, our time, our energy to one another. We, we go out of our way, even when it's inconvenient and difficult. We, we make plans to be loving the people around us, particularly in our gospel community, but also our entire wider church body. 
We give of our, our time in serving one another. Uh, we have so many amazing volunteers in our church that help pull a Sunday service and other elements throughout the week together. Um, we had some people here this morning who were learning some different roles for the first time. People just continuing to put up their hands to how can we uh, get a part of that and help you serve and help serve and be a part of what's happening. So we give um, of ourselves to others. We give of our time in serving the body and we partner with the church financially to help uh, not just pay the bills, not just cover the costs, but also under God, fuel the mission of the gospel into Brisbane and beyond through this church. Our giving isn't just to make sure we can keep the lights on. Our giving is to make sure that we can continue to look forward to, you know, put money into people like Joey Slough, who's now training to be a full-time gospel leader under God, maybe one day in the future. Uh, Opportunities like that to uh, continue to develop more and more people who would commit themselves to loving the church and leading the church uh, and uh, finding ways to continue reaching many others with the good news of Jesus. Now, you don't have to get excited about that right now. If I was back in my Pentecostal church a few years ago, uh, I would be making sure they were hollering at me off the back of something like that. But I'm really, really satisfied with deep, weighty contemplation. Because as I said, I'm less, I'm less worried about numbers. I'm less worried about emotional outbursts. What I really want is deep, inner consultation and preferably transformation. That as a church, we would actually genuinely go from one place to another under God. That in Christ, we would continue to look more like Jesus, less like ourselves, less like the world around us, more like what heaven is calling us to. Right now, what I want to do is invite the band up. We're going to pray right now. And then uh, after the band sort of lead us in this song, we're going to take communion together, which is just an incredible opportunity, again, as a church, to just look and behold the goodness that we have in Jesus. So church, why don't you stand as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive and active, that it is cutting us to the very core of who we are, that we would not remain hidden from you, but completely exposed in order to be completely transformed through your goodness and grace to us in Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your amazing blessings to us, that we could look back on last year and see just evidence after evidence after evidence of your goodness and kindness. You're leading us, you're growing us, you're maturing us. And Father, we ask you, uh, we pray diligently, Heavenly Father, may that be the case again this year. May we see many more people come to place their trust in Jesus. May we see our hearts go from where they are right now into an even uh, greater place of maturity and trusting and dependence upon you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that we would continue to feel that weight and responsibility of loving one another deeply, of walking this gospel life out together. I pray that you would Be with us, Heavenly Father. Lead us and guide us. And as your word promises, give us all that we need in order to honor you and be your hands and feet. In your name we pray. Amen.
thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.